Well, but, there's the cold open. Yeah. No, uh, no, no. Oh, the prime minister. What a good idea. I move we take the speaker's words down. Mr. President, catch this. The point of order is sustained. I rise today to begin to filibuster America and reach for the stars. We are human together. The best in America. I, I might have got here on my own. Howdy and welcome back to This Is News. I'm Reem Mayhem, joined as always by This Is News Attorney General Jack Shields. Jack, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Reem. Just uh, in order to grift, I mean, sorry, uh, protect our election results. I have signed on to uh, Texas's latest lawsuit and I am looking forward to all the money it will bring me as our elections are undermined. How are you doing, Reem? You know, Jack, look, to do this podcast this evening, I was torn away from a really interesting college football game that was going on between Southern Miss and Florida Atlantic University. First of all, getting Um, to hear my opinions on politics is greater than any football game. It was a pretty good game, so I was enjoying that. Um, But, you know, in good news, I'm done with finals, so that's great. Um, My final project was about a rural infrastructure bill. That I would propose if I were the newly elected congressman from Louisiana's sixth district. So mm-hmm. that was exciting, fun thing to do. Fun times. Um, so yeah. So this is episode 35. As listeners know, in these episodes, we like to talk about big picture structural things. This episode will be no different, and that's why we're talking about section 230. Jack, what is section 230? Um, let me pull up the article because as y'all might not, as y'all might know, Reem and I are not lawyers yet. Although at correct. this point, we are both planning to be, and neither are most people. Also but correct. that hasn't stopped literally everyone on Twitter from claiming that they are a lawyer when it comes to Section Two Thirty. And you get a lot of hot takes from people who sound very confident, as if they are the reincarnation of John Marshall, informing us how Section Two Thirty will work. So I'm for now, I'm going to give you my opinion as if it's from a lawyer, but, um, and believe I'm just as right, but let me explain what an actual lawyer says that section 230 is before we get into this context. This is David French over at the dispatch. One of our favorite actual lawyers. Yes. We, we love him. So, uh, he was, uh, discussing Donald Trump's hatred of section 230. It needs to, we need to first establish who is attacking section 230 because a lot of times you can tell if a policy is good based on who's attacking it. If a mother Teresa likes it and Adolf Hitler opposes it, it's probably got some good merits. So the common good conservatives, Donald Trump and the radical left are all united on this one. That is a pretty damn good recommendation for keeping Section 230 if those three groups are united. And for our listeners who are conservative but maybe don't keep up as much with us and don't know the difference between common good conservatives and all the other groups, common good conservatives see what the left are doing, forcing their morality down other people's throats. And they don't have a problem with the th- forcing it down the throats. They just want it to be their morality. And that's that's where the problem comes. It's a in. great summary. Yeah. And that has yeah. to be opposed. So here is what Section 230 is. It's Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act this is according to David French, of course, and it has two key provisions. The first simply declares that no provider or user of any interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So 
this is really important because here's what it means. Say, say you own a newspaper and you let me write for you. And in that newspaper, I post a bunch of lies. I claim that uh, Reem is high on drugs and that he's murdered people and all this insanity that was pretty representative of LSU, but not Reem. It, uh, just a terrible school. I just have to take shots at you, Reem, especially after you lost 20 to 7 listeners remind you of that and mississippi state so i i just post Reigning all this, national champions yeah so just i post all this horrible things about lsu with also some true things about lsu equally as horrible if someone were oh, yeah, to, like the title nine stuff yeah yeah that yeah. too but i was more focused on y'all's abysmal football record this season but anyway sure. if I was to be called out on my lies. The newspaper that allowed me to publish that article could be held criminally liable for my lies because they edited it, they approved it, they published it. What this is saying, if I go on Twitter and I tweet out Reem's a murderer, LSU is a terrible school that made him a murderer, all this nonsense, no one can sue Twitter for that. That's my own fault. I might be in trouble legally, but Twitter, Twitter's safe. But there's another part of that. The section, the second provision, according to David French, adds an important twist. It says this, any action, or it says civil liability, no provider or user of any interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be a scene, lewd, lascivious, uh, I totally botched that pronunciation, but whatever, uh, filthy, excessively violent, Uh, harassing or otherwise questionable whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. And the reason they added that law is because back in the 90s, when the internet just became a thing, there were two contradicting court cases. One that said that if you moderated what people were commenting on your website at all- By taking down child porn. Yeah, like, you you could be held criminally liable. And, to be clear. Yeah, so basically you had two choices. You could either attempt to take down child porn on your site, and if someone sued you for having child porn, you were held liable, or you could let people post all the child porn you wanted and you wouldn't be held criminally liable. So obviously there's a little bit of a problem there. So uh, no. they, yeah, they created Section 230 to protect that. And the debate right now really centers around if, what the social media companies are doing crosses the line and makes them a publisher, according to the right. Those on the left would say that they're not doing enough to uphold Section 230. So the government must increase restrictions to ensure it's actually upheld. And And there's a lot of debate about what this last part of that clause or otherwise objectionable means, according to, uh, is that, yeah, USA Today, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas actually says we've misinterpreted it, and it actually needs to be much more narrowly constructed and interpreted. So it's it's a fascinating debate, but both Reem and I come down on the side of these social media giants should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want. Governments stay back, uh, you psychos. So Reem, why don't yeah. you go ahead and give your take on why Section 230 ought to be preserved? Well, Jack, as we all know, I am sometimes libertarian, um, depending on the issue. And on this issue, I'm a libertarian. <laughs> wait, wait, um, what are you describing? Aggressively neutral? Aggressively <laughs> lawful neutral? Yeah, that's, um, that's you. Sometimes I use the term institutionalist communitarian. Um, really just depends on how I'm feeling that day as to what I'm going to describe myself. But yeah, aggressively lawful neutral is what's in my Twitter bio, at Reem Mayhem. Um, so <laughs> here's, here's where I come down on Section 230. 
I think it's generally good to shield companies from liability if they want to try and moderate child pornography on their sites. What? Radical. <laughs> what, I a, know. what a radical. Bold idea. I also think that, you know, you sign a terms of service when you join or not sign, you agree to a terms of service when you join any social media platform in that it basically says we can do what we want with your stuff on our platform, right? We can take it down. We can add a flag saying that it's misleading about the election. We can do anything we want. Like it's our platform. Take that. Ha ha. Um, so if you disagree with the terms of service, go to a different site that has different terms of service. Yeah. It's that Free easy. Market. There is Boom. there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Or if such a site doesn't exist, you can create one. Um, exactly. And such a site not yeah. existing does not justify you getting to do this. They aren't monopolies, if any leftists are listening. They shouldn't be bro broken up. Or tech crews, I think. Uh, and honestly, I don't have a problem with consumer-created monopolies. It's only when yeah. the government creates it. Yeah, Facebook, well, okay, I do have a problem with consumer-created monopolies. Um, <laughs> I think antitrust laws are generally a good thing for market competition. I mean, until they get manipulated so the monopolies know how to use them to get to continue to be a monopoly, i.e. the railroads. So well, and Amazon that. might have done antitrust stuff and you know, yeah, there's, there's legitimate reasons to think that a lot of big tech companies are in violation of antitrust laws, but that's not for us to discuss at the moment. Um, what is for us to discuss at the moment is two thirty, And, you know, as you may know, though, the U S is considering antitrust actions against Facebook, which is interesting because Facebook does not have a monopoly on social media. If you want to use other social media sites like, Snapchat or Twitter or Parler or you can LinkedIn, I guess, um, for <laughs> all of you professional types. It seems like included. a lot of our congressmen um, and senators seem to think that antitrust applies to anything they would consider big. That yeah. Really like with Google, you can still use Bing or Yahoo. I mean, if you hate yourself. Now, <laughs> that's about the do most of us. No, we don't. Um, no, we're as soon as we buy a new computer, the first thing we do is, well, I actually use Microsoft Edge browser now, but it used to be the first thing you did was download Google Chrome and then change your default search engine to Google on whatever new device you got or anything. Right. So, right. There's a lot of that. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but Section 230 is good. We should not get rid of it. We most certainly shouldn't get rid of it in the defense reauthorization bill that we have to do every year. Yeah, um, which for that in so, general, the idea yeah. of just loading all these bills with so much nonsense and pork that you just pass a bunch of just just a bunch of trash that has nothing to do with the actual aspect of the bill is disgraceful and we really need standalone bills. But uh, yeah, for my justification for Section 230, listeners, if you were listening to our episode last week, you heard me make the uh, very radical uh, assertion that Title VII and Title II are unconstitutional, of the Civil Rights Act, are unconstitutional and should be struck down. And if a business wants to discriminate on the basis of age, race, sex, religion, whatever, they should have every single right to. And I stand by that. I'm pretty freaking libertarian when it comes to what businesses can do. I disagree with Jack on those points, for the record. Just All right. So we're just so, so Reem admits to you all that he is wrong and we move on. <laughs> and, uh, so if I'm that that libertarian on what businesses can do, you bet I'll be that consistent when it comes to what big tech can do. It's their platform. If they don't want you on it because they think you look dumb, they should get to kick you off. 
if they don't like it because they thought like you because they thought your joke wasn't funny, they should get to kick you off. If you looked at them the wrong way on the bus, Mark Zuckerberg should be allowed to demand your Facebook account and kick you off. I don't <laughs> care if it makes you feel bad. It's their right. And if you like no one would tolerate that in their place of business or their home. Like imagine someone came into your home and started shouting a bunch of nonsense and you were like, please shut up. And they were like, you can't, you can't act as a publisher here. Like, no, like you're within their business, their property. You're going to have to behave by the rules that they give. It's absolute nonsense that a platform should not be allowed to discriminate against whoever they damn well please for whatever reason they damn well please. I don't care if it's the president of the United States. You have every right to. Now on that- Jack, you know who else can silence whoever they damn well please because they damn well please do? Stalin. The U.S. House. If they object to something that you say, they can move to take your words down. And that's basically the same as forcing you to withdraw them. Anti-free speech. How Is the they? U.S. House a publisher that needs to be restricted these are thoughts we by have a new have. Section 230? Well, actually, there's that clause I in think the Constitution these are... that basically says they get to lie and, uh, on the on the floor and can't be held liable. So I'm not sure the First Amendment applies to them. Well, yeah, but you can take down their you can you can take down. So we'll have that uh, debate later. Listeners, you, as you know, in our theme music, there's a line that says, I move we take the speaker's words down. That's from when Republicans were mad at Tip O'Neill for basically saying they were un-American. Um, How dare they? And um, got his words taken down. Okay. Yeah, so back, on. back to Section 230. Um, some The biggest objection I hear is that it's anti-free speech for this to happen. Now, it's true. There, It's not doing a very good job upholding. No, they say free speech principles because the First Amendment only applies to the state. They say That's it's right. against our principles. Now, it's very true. But that doesn't mean we should silence you from having the right. There's plenty of ways you can misuse a right. In the United States of America, Nazis can march down Jewish neighborhoods advocating for fascism. That is a misuse of your right. That doesn't mean we get to violate the right. That's not how rights work. If you get to violate the right as soon as it's misused, it was never a right. It was a privilege. So we, we can't be attacking these companies just because we dislike how they misuse the right. And I'm looking at you, Republicans. We we <coughs> Josh Hawley. Um... Yeah, we, we talk a big talk about liberties, natural law and how much we love individual freedom. <coughs> Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Uh, well, Tucker Carlson basically agrees with Bernie Sanders on economics, so I'm not sure he he talks the talk. <laughs> but, uh, but we have to be consistent. Charlie Kirk. Even when the people who hate us, who want to silence us, and who don't even really see us as good Americans want to use their rights, we have to defend those rights and we have to be consistent. And here, here's the thing, conservatives. Uh, Section 230 took an interesting switch this week when uh, the New York Times, of all people, with uh, Nicholas Kristof, wrote a very interesting piece on Pornhub. And Pornhub is protected by Section 230, uh, not normally what you would think of for a big tech platform, but <laughs> they're, they're one of them. And well, uh, yeah. it was a very disturbing but well-written piece about how so much of Pornhub's videos, not all of them, obviously, but because I think it's 7 million videos a year are posted on it according My to the goodness. article yeah it's it's insane it makes more money than like everything it's it's it shows the depravity of our of our society right now we're not doing good y'all uh 
but uh, we should we should just get Ross Duthard on here to talk about decadence or something and y- yeah, decline of civilization. Don't don't watch porn. It's uh, evil. It rots your soul, and uh, it's very very sinful. But uh, you have a right to. You have a right. Fair. You have a right to. So long as you are, soul. I think over the age of eighteen. Yes, depending on jurisdiction. Uh, God, yeah. God was pl- pretty clear on that one, and so is the social sciences. But don't, this is not a religious. It. Well, you're not wrong on social science, but this is not I'm, a religious podcast. I'm still going to say that God said, don't do it. So maybe don't do it. His, uh, his wrath, but you were coming. making a point, but you were making a point. Yes. So I agree that porn is horrible and I would like to see it wiped from the earth, but that doesn't give the government a right to do it. So anyway, Nicholas Kristoff wrote this very good piece explaining how there were many videos of either rape or underage people being on there. And it was about the victims who struggle to get it taken off. Now, this is abhorrent, obviously, and one of the many reasons that no one should be on those sites. But many people took it way too far. I saw many Christians on Twitter who I normally agree with. And again, porn is a sin. It's it's very evil. It's, it's a bad thing. Fully advocating that the government should step in and ban everything and regulate it into extinction. And th- they seemed they seem to have no problem with the fact that they were parroting the language of the left. And I think this shows the fundamental flaw of common good conservatives. Let's, again, I agree, watching porn is bad. It's a, don't do it. But here's the thing. If we give the government the power to ban one thing, they'll have the power to ban something else. Uh, Ben Shapiro made this point when it came to, uh, what was it? Uh, I think it was the uh, cross-dressing library readings. All these conservatives were all up in arms because uh, drag queens, yeah, that was it. Drag queens were reading library books to uh, the libraries or to children at the library. And all these conservatives were like, we need to step in and we need to regulate what's at the library. And and, and Shapiro was like, what makes you think that the leftists we're afraid of so much are going to ban that and not the Bible? As soon as you give the government to ban the stuff you the power to ban the stuff you don't like, don't be surprised when they turn around with the gun you gave them and loaded and start banning the stuff you did like. All right. Um, It's not a good idea to hand them that power. And when Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are nodding along in agreement with you, be weary of actually implementing whatever you're suggesting. Well, okay. Infrastructure would be a good thing to do. Okay. I am pro infrastructure. Yes, week. But when the ex Native American and the commie are both saying we should do something, maybe we should take a step back, silence the Soviet national anthem that was just randomly playing in the background, and th- think about that. And it's a fact. I think both of them voted for General Mattis to be Secretary of Defense. I'm aware so... of that. But also, one of them honeymooned in the Soviet Union. So there's that. But okay, um, all right, keep going. Yeah, but here here's the problem. If we do give them the power to regulate and abolish porn because like um it harms children, for example. That's a big one I hear. Uh, a New York Times editor was tweeting that uh not allowing your kid to be transgender was also child abuse. If we give the government the power to regulate porn, what's to stop that same power from coming and attacking religious communities for not letting their kid be transgender, all right? We have to be very careful what we wish for. If we give the government that power, we're screwed. Now, I do think on that, it might be reasonable uh, to require more moderators. Um, it seems, Reem, I want your opinion on this. It seems reasonable okay. to me that we can both protect Section 230, and if a company is large enough, demand they hire an adequate number of moderators to keep bad stuff off the site. Because from what I gathered from that article, Pornhub, for example, only had like 80 people doing that for 7 million videos. Yeah. 
So that that seems reasonable to me. And we already have laws like that. I think like for daycares, you have to have a certain number of adults or stuff like that. So it's not unreasonable and it doesn't violate your liberties to require more moderators, but we can't just Maybe, but, abolish the platform. But Jack, in the interest of free market competition, which I know, that is imposing a burden on a smaller startup that would have to then employ a bunch of moderators who it may not have the money to I mean, do if so, that's necessary to up. If that's necessary to make sure the a young woman's video of her getting raped doesn't show up over and over again on the internet, I'm okay with it. That's a good retort. Yeah. Fine Um, by me. Yeah. But uh, there was another disturbing. This is spreading, not just section 230. I will note real quick before I get back to section 230. Josh Hawley was bragging today that MasterCard is now not letting their people use their credit cards for purchases on Pornhub. And again, Christians, I get why you would be happy about this. It's a disgusting use of your money. Don't give money to these things. And it's worth knowing if, if ordinary people like not everyone obviously is looking at rape videos and child porn like that's abhorrent but if all the good people didn't give their money to these corporations and didn't watch those videos it would be much easier to catch the evil videos and crush them if there were way less than seven million videos being posted we could find the evil videos faster and prosecute those people so worth knowing but it scares me that we're going down that line of i don't like this company so i'm going to use the power of government to make it where people can't use their credit cards because yeah we well I, i tweeted this today we might celebrate when liberals can't use their credit card to buy porn but we're going to be looking awfully stupid when we can't use our credit card to buy a gun and i'm very worried that if we do this companies and corporations will get more and more political and we'll end up with the conservative company that lets you buy these things on their credit card and the liberal company that will let you buy these things we have to have some level of neutrality in the business world where people of left and right can come together and feel like they're being treated as equals. And we, we can't do that if we turn everything into a political issue where we need an answer from everyone and everyone must take action. That just can't happen. Now on section 230, uh, going Wait, back- Wait, hold on. I, I, wanna, I wanna make one more point and then I'll let you make a last point on section 230 and we'll have to move on. All right. Um, on the whole credit card thing, it is worth noting, though, that credit card companies and financial institutions in general have to be wary of how their services are being used. Because if you use a Visa credit card to buy cocaine, they could get in trouble for that, right? That's why every weed um, dispensary. Oh, they could get in trouble for that? Yeah, that's why all of them are cash only is because they ah. can't use financial institutions in any way. Well, that's a little different, though. That's for criminal liability. That's a right. far stretch but from posting I don't like porn. child pornography. OK, is criminal. And so I, I can understand why they're doing it. OK, that's but... a, that makes it a little more reasonable. But the trend I see, the slippery slope is a little scary. I don't want everyone like I don't want the liberal credit card company to be like no guns, uh, no MAGA hats. And then the conservative company to be like, um. No, uh, no contraceptive, no, no porn, uh, only okay. Bibles. So stuff like that. But yeah, uh, my, my last point is while I am very much in favor of Section 230 and you should be able to say and do whatever the hell you want on your own platform, just because you have the right doesn't mean you should misuse the right. While social media companies have been given the right to do this as they should, 
I urge them to use it properly. It's not good for the nation if we end up having conservative social media and liberal social media. We ought to be able to be able to come together and express our ideas and talk about stuff as one people, not two peoples just somehow cohabiting the same nation. And if we're not able to do that, it's going to be very difficult to have a country. And the social media giants and their employees really owe it to these integrity of the well-being of the country to be more open about what they're doing to be more fair and to start being a little less partisan and a little more fair to conservatives if we're going to have social media be something that brings the nation together rather than tears us apart which is what has been happening lately okay so it was announced that morocco and israel are going to sign a peace deal Hooray! Um, congrats again to Israel. Congrats to the Arab world for realizing that Iran is a bigger threat than Israel is. I'm not um, sure we should give them congrats for that basic, hey, instead of committing genocide, let's go protect ourselves. That's, um, congrats to... Listeners, this is Reem trying his hardest to refuse to give President Trump and Jared Kushner any credit. Congrats to the State Department for which neither Jared Kushner nor Donald Trump works for. Um, congrats to our allies. Congrats to the White House for probably getting to be a neutral site yet again. Which, right, as gonna, a reminder, I'm gonna step the only in. real U.S. contribution to this. Oh, I, I have to step in. There's a video. The fact that Israel has proven itself to be a valuable regional partner. There's a video that's been going around uh, on conservative Twitter for some time now where you see John Kerry very, very like patronizing. And he goes, let me be clear in his dumb voice. I have been hearing oh, people. Boy. I have been hearing politicians say that. Uh, we can do peace deals with the Arab nations without addressing the Palestinians. They claim the Arab world is in a different place now and it's possible. This is a few years ago, people. And he goes, no, 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 no. Let me tell you that will never happen. There was a consensus among the foreign policy, especially on the left and even somewhat on the right, that peace would come through Palestine and Israeli concessions to his credit, President Trump and Jared Kushner, I would give more credit to Kushner than I give to Trump, as a matter of fact, blew that consensus wide open. They were right. It was always a stupid consensus. It was always dumb. Liberal foreign policy has always been terrible. And peace deals have shown up. And guess what? Every single time for this peace deal with Morocco, guess who's all mad and up in arms about it? The Palestinians. Guess who doesn't care? Morocco. It was very wise of the Trump administration to blow the consensus wide open, and it's because of blowing that consensus open that these peace deals have gotten done. And it's worth knowing that the Palestinians are controlled by genocidal maniacs who would rather their own people starve if it meant they got to kill a few more Jews. So maybe we should not be basing our foreign policy about around appeasing those people and be taking them out. That is uh, what I would recommend. Um, Jack, I'm gonna I'm gonna note two foreign policies that were done by liberal presidents. Um, the foundation of NATO and the foundation of NAFTA. Yes, Harry. Okay. Okay. Those are those are both just good so things. Just so we're clear. Just so we're. I'm going to note that under this president, we left the WHO without a backup plan, and that was a bad idea. And we've crippled the WTO, which was effectively checking Chinese influence. <coughs> Jimmy Carter. And what? who said that? And we killed TPP. 
I will refuse to acknowledge that Trump's foreign policy has been on balance successful because he squandered our best chance at countering Chinese influence in the world. Well, I mean, it would help. If If you believe that China is the evil empire of our time, or at least the complementary great power to us with whom we are in rivalry with, which I would say that's an accurate assessment of geopolitics right now. Then the squandering. Yeah, we are in the Cold War, but only one side is acting like it. Then the squandering of the Trans-Pacific Partnership is such gross misconduct at the foreign policy stage that no other accomplishment can outweigh the negative that that has put on us. And there have been plenty of other negatives in the Trump foreign policy. So I think that Trump's done pretty terrible when it comes to China, although in some aspects he's done good, although Joe Biden's done no better. Um but Joe I think Biden Trump's has been president well. for the last four I years. I think Joe Biden or ever president. Well yeah, but his son's apparently being investigated by the FBI over his business dealings in China, and China wanted which, him as a reminder, is not what the New York Post reported. They reported. I never not said that. I never said that. Okay, but I just want to be. I just want to remind everyone. Speaking of China, <laughs> as Ted Cruz pointed out, us conservatives have been talking a long time about how we should screw the communists and how we should. Uh, yeah, so. Unfortunately, <laughs> our liberal friends... Jack has been waiting all episode yeah, to mention this. Our liberal friends really misunderstood that. When we said screw, we, we meant undermine them on the world stage. We meant do stuff like TPP and build our military up. We didn't mean get in bed with them literally and screw them. But oh, no, no, no. According to Axios, which is no right wing site, Eric Swallow, who you might remember as the representative who did an ill-advised campaign for president where he spent the entire time claiming Trump was in bed with foreign agents. Was he the pass the torch guy? I think that might have been Buttigieg, but... Um, okay. Yeah, I think so. And then to conclude his campaign, farted very loudly during an interview and has refused to admit it. So Eric Swallow gets caught. There was a Chinese uh, foreign agent named Fang Fang, I believe, who she was part of a broader, basically an Operation Honeypot by the uh, Chinese, where they sent people over. And you got you got to give them credit for their uh, commitment to this. They would spend years, if not decades, in the U.S. building relationships, oftentimes of a sexual nature, with up-and-coming politicians, specifically in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley, to get connections in our, uh, in our government and be able to spy on us. And she apparently slept with him. His uh, brother and father are still Facebook friends with her to this day. And she was a Chinese agent. And as soon as the FBI started investigating her, she scrammed back to China and she hasn't come back since. So worth noting that the media has basically silenced this story because he's a Democrat. If a Republican presidential, former presidential nominee was found sleeping with a Russian spy, we would talk about it for 83 years. But when it's a Democrat, we don't talk about it all. And Eric Swalwell, a uh, very defensive man. He he didn't like getting caught sleeping with the enemy. So he blamed, uh, well, according to Politico, he's blaming this on, he's calling the whole thing baseless and saying that the only reason the story is out is because people are mad he's so hard on Trump. Now, Axios is no right-wing site whatsoever axios is the same site that basically uh rain would you say that you could tell trump had no re-election hopes during that axios interview was that where we knew yes yeah that was 
that, that, I mean, that's not when we knew, but like that was when like we yeah, knew. He, that interviewer just put knife after knife into Trump. So it's pretty pathetic that he would be doing that or using that as an excuse. And really, it, it's very symbolic of the relationship the Democrats have with uh, China. Joe Biden and his fellow Democrats are going to allow China to screw us in more ways than one, some of them less pleasant than what was happening to Eric, I'm sure. And it, it also shows we need to take this threat more seriously. Like he is on the Foreign uh, Affairs Committee of the House and a Chinese spy was sleeping with him. We are not taking the threat of China seriously. We are in a Cold War and we best win it. We cannot let the world succumb to communist tyranny. We need capitalism, freedom and God to prevail, not their their abhorrent just evil ideology that's already laid waste to a hundred million people and brought a plague onto the world. Literally like COVID is the communist fault. And we really need to be doing more. We need to reconsider whether the Chinese should be allowed to send students over, especially if they're going to go back to China. It's one thing if they want to become a citizen here, uh, as Shapiro was saying on his podcast, but well, should we really be educating these people just to have them go back to China and use that education to try to undermine us on the world stage? Well- a lot of folks don't go back to China. A exactly. Lot we should we should differentiate about what China's done. Yeah, which maybe we should be spreading some propaganda in China about all the atrocities they've committed because they are an oh, you evil want some nation. Good old CIA undermining Let's do it. state-run media again. Yeah, they are an evil all nation right. led by evil people, and we ought to do everything in our power to destroy them. Like they are the evil empire, and they must be crushed. Reem, okay. your, your thoughts on Eric Swalwell sleeping with the um, enemy? Evidently, we should include a new member orientation for China for Congress. Um, yeah, how, how to avoid not to get honey potted? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I took away from this. Jeez. Um, yeah, if her name's Feng Feng, she came from China and is suspiciously. Fong. It's probably it's probably Fong Fong. Her friend but... said she was suspiciously secretive and private. I think that should have raised a few flags, Eric. You idiot. And also, I do love that these are the same people who claim Trump was in bed with the Russians. It's um pretty pretty. Amazing. Additionally, I think this probably heightens the fact that you know China's good at what they're doing. Yes, so we need to fight back. Um, we can't afford to lose this. If we lose, our children live in slavery. We have to win. You know what would have been great? You know what would have been great? Instead of Japan and South Korea signing a landmark free trade deal with China, if instead in 2017 as one of his first crowning accomplishments of his administration, Trump had signed the Trans-Pacific Partnership, creating a geopolitical block that would effectively no, counter you would have known what Chinese been great economic influence. If in Truman the had gotten out of the way and let MacArthur, MacArthur finish the job, that would have um, been great. I think normalizing nukes is a bad idea. I mean... Just a hot take. China would be free. China would be free. Would they? Because yeah. it's worth knowing that Kuomintang were a dictatorship for a while. It would have turned out fine in the long run. As was the South Korean leader during Look, the Korean War. was a dictator with killing commies in a war ring. It's what wars are for. I if mean, you're not killing Nazis, you should be killing commies. Generally speaking, I don't like war because people die. It's just sometimes necessary. Yes, and when it comes to communists, it's sometimes necessary. And we should um, be willing to destroy the evil empire by any means necessary. And the first way to start is diplomatically by doing things like. I think we're a little past that. They literally have people in camps, Reem. 
I think we were. I, I think I, I the think time has come to sanction it. the crap out of them, undermine them at the, every level we can, put spies issue, in their place. The issue with that, Jack, is that you need everyone on board. And who, Jack, is taking Chinese Belt and Road money because America stopped offering money? I That's right, Iraq European Union members. Uh, made a huge European oil. Union members. Yeah, like we, we, we got to fix our crap. This whole America, which to the uh, Republicans, this is probably one of the worst aspects of the Republican Party. And it's existed in a long time. And libertarians. Who are so isolationist and think that America can just retreat and our interests will be okay and the bad guys won't come knocking at our door. You're fools. Like you're historically- Jack, you know who wanted us not to sign TPP? You know who else wanted to not sign TPP? And you know who's the reason it became a mainstream issue? Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders' yeah. biggest accomplishment. I will I will maintain this. Bernie Sanders' biggest accomplishment is not making the Democratic Party more progressive, right? The Democratic Party is not going to be a progressive party because progressive they parties don't win national will, elections. We will argue about that. But... They're a liberal party, for sure. They're a left-leaning party. They are left of center, for sure. But progressives don't win national elections in Western countries. But yes, the communists um, did give the communists more power. We need to start treating this like the Cold War the did. The reason anyone track. knew that TPP existed or that it was bad was because Bernie Sanders didn't like it. And then Hillary Clinton was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do it in an effort to capitulate to Bernie Sanders supporters so she could win. And then Trump was like, you know what? I don't like any deal unless I negotiated it because I am a good negotiator. He's not. Um, <laughs> what? Blasphemy. <laughs> and so here we are with no Trans-Pacific trade yeah. deal we, we, with Australia and Argentina and Chile and Mexico and Japan and the Philippines and Indonesia and Singapore and South Korea. Jack, we messed up. And because of Could that, China is more list? powerful. <laughs> um, yeah, so. uh, it, we are doing a terrible job when it comes to China. We need to oppose the evil empire. We need to destroy them. Like communism needs to be eradicated and every communist state needs to be crushed. All right. So moving on, Joe, Joe Biden. Biden has started naming cabinet nominees. We're going to talk about three of them tonight. Three. Okay. Because unfortunately, there's a bigger story we've yet to get to. The three we're going to mention are his nominee for Health and Human Services, current California Attorney General Javier Barsara. Horrible pick. The second is going to be Department of Defense Secretary nominee, General Lloyd, retired General Lloyd Austin. Decent pick from what I know. And the third is going to be Treasury Secretary nominee, former Fed Governor Janet Yellen. What about Susan Rice? She's not a cabinet nominee. Oh, okay. Fair, fair, fair. Which Susan Rice should be nowhere near the power, the, the government. Just a heads up. She's a terrible person who openly lied to the American people about giving money to terrorists. So, okay. So do you want to start with the good or do you want to start with the bad? Let's start with the commie from California. Well, I, I don't know if he's a communist. Let's start with the crazed person from California. All right. Javier Basara. Yeah, Reem, what's what's your take on the man? And hey, congrats for pronouncing his name right. The president-elect struggled with that mightily today, which I was told you were racist <laughs> if you botched a Hispanic person's name. Is that only if there's an R by your name? I, I guess so. Well, I mean, it's worth noting that the senator who got panned about it, I think in Georgia for mocking Kamala Harris's name, 
was explicitly mocking her name, which they is did it for everyone. If any Republican watches a minority person's name, they claim it's racism. Okay, but explicitly mocking someone's name who you serve in the Senate with? That's not a good look. We can mock Fang Fang, I think. That's about it. But that's just it's probably Fong Fong. I'm sorry. Well, just let's ask word. Eric. Let's ask Eric. <laughs> his special okay. lady friend. Javier Bastar. Javier, back on subject, back on topic. Here we are. Javier Basara. Okay. Here's here's where I initially was on this, Jack. I initially was in the oh, he's the attorney general of California. Remember, Biden's a Democrat. Infuriating arguing with you about it. What should we expect other than him to nominate pro-choice people? Because 70% of Democrats are pro-choice. Would make sense he would nominate someone pro-choice to lead HSS. You know, I wish a doctor was leading it, but all right, fine, whatever. Hey, why okay. have a doctor when you can have someone who's okay with killing other humans? Like Then, Jack, they're pro-choice doctors. Um, hey, they know how to hmm. kill the people. Even better. Then... I learned more about Javier Basara. Now, Jack is going to complain about a California law that he defended relating to pro-life pro advocacy groups. I'm going to dismiss that because most good attorney generals simply defend laws when they're challenged that were passed by their state. He didn't help pass the law. He's just doing his job as an attorney general. It's what you got to do. Okay. Now, here's where I here's where I take offense with him. One... He came after Little Sisters of the Poor in a way that was probably uncalled for. Reem, your body, your choice only really applies if you're doing what the left wants. Two, when a pro-life advocate filmed secret video of a Planned Parenthood center that showed them doing potentially questionable, if not illegal things with... I believe selling body parts, right? Fetal remains. Yeah. Unlike all the times when animal animal advocacy groups in California had infiltrated industrial farms and gotten video that showed potentially illegal and unethical things, there was not an investigation launched into whether or not illegal and unethical things were happening. No, Jack, you know what they did? They charged him with 15 felony charges that I think were all dropped or dismissed, right? He was not found guilty. Yeah. So of anything. in the state of California, it is more dangerous to rip apart an animal and sell its parts than it is to rip apart and uh, rip apart a human being and sell their their parts. So got to love California these days. So, yeah. So here's the deal. Look. Initially, I kind of understood the look, he's been a really great defender of the Affordable Care Act through all of its challenges. He did a decent job in California v. Texas and the California Solicitor General did a good job who, you know, he worked for and picked. So, you know, we're, we just want to defend the Affordable Care Act from all the challenges we know are going to keep coming. And so that's why that's a valid argument. But when you've done the other things that he's done that he didn't have to do, again, he had to defend legislation passed by the California assembly. It's what you do. Okay. It's what you do. But when you use your office to go after little sisters of the poor or go after pro-life advocates for doing things that you cheer on when pro animal rights advocates do it. Mm, I don't know about that. And also he's not a doctor. So yeah. 
Which it points out a little bit of hypocrisy on the part of the Democrats. It was an absolute catastrophe when a, a doctor wasn't head of the coronavirus task force. But I, I guess we don't need a doctor to be in charge of health and human services. That's a. Um, I don't know if a doctor is currently in charge of health or human services, Jack. Health and human services. So. Um, I don't know. I know Tom Price was the first guy, but I have no idea who's in charge. I don't of think Tom Price a doc. I don't think we Tom just- Price. Is was a doctor. I mean, we have a doctor in charge of housing and urban development, so close enough. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything you want to add to my already stellar analysis of Javier during Bizarro? the Nuremberg trials? Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Are we really doing this? Uh, I mean, my, I have to disprove your point. So Reem thinks that it's okay. Which point? That he defended California's uh, law. Oh, it's okay for an attorney general to do their job. So, yeah. I, I, so I back it, that up. It's a little gray there. I'll be honest, but to use a principle that was established during those trials, according to the world war two class, which I just finished, it was very hard uh, to prosecute people for working with the Nazis who worked in government because it was hard to figure out if they were just doing their jobs or if they were doing that little bit extra to help the fascists out. I think that his record shows that he was doing that little bit extra to help people get to murder babies. So no, but that's the problem, right? Is that it's, it's you're putting the two, like if he was just defending California laws, that's fine. That's what attorney generals do. Yes. But it's because he did the additional things that I think he would use. You add context for uncalled for political advocacy. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. F- we fair, agree. Fair enough. You're just, you're just making a comparison that doesn't make sense in this case and should just go with, he did things that the attorney general doesn't have to do that were uncalled for. Okay. And fine. as such, Republicans should vote against him. Fine, fine, fine. Fair enough. But anywho, okay. according to the uh, Daily Wire, as Reem said, he bullied the little sisters of the poor because God forbid that women who help out poor people get to choose what they'll include in their insurance plans well okay it's because they're a religious group that that they that they have that exemption we can't let that happen i mean catholics should just be along with the orthodox jews apparently okay but even if there was a super progressive like even if there was a super progressive unitarian universalist group Mm -hmm. who wanted to not include certain things in their health care they would also be entitled to do so like yeah but um it's honestly i've, I've let everyone just because you're christians it's yeah. religious it's not because but yeah you, you you have a right to follow your religion in your own private business he's going to target pro- in your own private explicitly religious business if you're a secular business no, it's different. we will argue about that later that is wrong uh anyways uh but that's what they but that's what the current jurisprudence is in my understanding you're right that it's the current jurisprudence yeah. but the current jurisprudence is flawed so he well, would that's be a different argument. He'd be an insane radical who would force pro-abortion policies down the throat of the United States. He must be opposed anyone who advocates for the uh, legalized murder of children in the womb should have no place in the government of the United States or of any state government. That is, as the Gospel Coalition put it quite well, I think being pro-life is not sufficient for being voted for, but it is necessary. No one who is pro-choice should have any position in government and he's vile for the views he has and should be opposed as strongly as someone who uh, thought that black people aren't human. This is just as evil as slavery and we we can't allow it and he should be ripped apart during the confirmation hearings and every Republican should oppose him. 
And as we've established yet again, Jack is further to my right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Since I've said time and time again, I agree with the Elise Stefanik view on the issue. Now, Department of Defense, General Lloyd Austin. Jack, um, let me give you a bit of a pros and cons about him. Pros, he's an accomplished general. Kind of. Cons. He kind of said that ISIS was the JV team of Al-Qaeda, which... Yeah, so all that... Did you read Joe Biden's article in The Atlantic? No. So it's hilarious. Joe Biden wrote an article about why he nominated this dude. The real reason is because he's African-American and he needed to appease the intersectional coalition. But... Uh, well, he is qualified for the role. I know that, but we'll, we'll, Just get, so we're clear. we'll, we'll get to my complaint in a second. It's funny because at the first part of the article, he writes this whole thing about how successful that general was at leading the uh, pullout of Iraq. Which he was. Out of Iraq. But he did a good job of that. notes we had to go back to fight ISIS. Right. So but if, if, if pulling out immediately resulted in the enemy showing back up and you having to go back in, it wasn't a successful pullout, was it? Well... No, leaving if the a, surgery you did immediately requires a second surgery. Was it a successful surgery? No, but this is different. He didn't have a choice as to whether or not they were going to leave Iraq, right? A pretty, I mean, if he gets the order to leave Iraq, he has to leave Iraq. I and guess David French was saying on the Dispatch podcast, an officer in the Iraq war, um, and lawyer, but you know, someone who actually That's worked right. in the military and still sources in the Pentagon and everything, was saying that he's wildly seen as doing a good job of leaving Iraq. Because it's hard to leave a front of a war. And right, we should have never the long-term plan in Iraq. The issue with Iraq was that the Defense Department thought the State Department had a plan after they won. The State Department thought the Defense Department had a plan for after they won. And so after they won, both of them looked at each other and went, All right, you got this. And that was it. Yeah. No one actually had a plan. As Representative Dan Crenshaw has said many times, we should not be pulling out and disasters but on the if Democrat. you're a general and you get the order from the president that you're pulling out of iraq you yeah, don't really enough. have a choice as to whether or not i don't have much of a vote to pick with the guy i expect him and, to confirm yeah. that eight to two and the other issue with the isis comment is that it's unclear whether or not he was saying that because it was already what the administration was saying yeah and he was just trying to toe the administration's line like you're supposed to do Which or on that one obama if it was his own advice. And again, we didn't necessarily know that ISIS was going to be as bad as it became. I mean, I probably wouldn't ex- uh, wouldn't describe a group trying to reestablish the Islamic caliphate. Or how do you caliphate? That's caliphate. Caliphate as the uh, JV team. I would go wipe them out. Well, but they kind Trump of Obama's were. foreign policy but yeah. remains abhorrent. See Iran. And, and Ukraine and Syria and a million other things. Now, here's the issue with him, Jack, and this is an issue that's unique to the Department of Defense. It should be the Department of War, FYI, listeners. Under, I disagree. Um, so under true. law, I disagree. Under U.S. law, to be Secretary of Defense, you have to have not been an active duty military member for seven years. What and he's only been out of the military. So it's actually not a bad idea. The problem is it only applies to the Department of Defense. But the thought is, is that when you're secretary of defense, your job is not to be a commanding officer. Your job is to represent the white house's grand strategic vision in the bureaucracy of the Pentagon, not represent the bureaucracy of the Pentagon in the white house. Right. And so the fear is that someone who is just a commanding officer 
would be representing the Pentagon and the White House and not representing the White House and the Pentagon, right? Okay. The issue is, and honestly, at face value, that's not a bad principle. However, originally it was 10 years, then it was moved down to seven years. Now we just Okay, start. I think maybe it should be like a year. The other thing I think is that maybe it should apply to other aspects of the government, right? Like for the DOJ, we appoint former federal prosecutors to be attorney general all the time, right? And no one has any issue with well, it. I think with- there's a unique, there's a unique amount of scrutiny that needs to be placed upon the military. If a tyranny is going to arise out of any part of the government, the military's highly likely to be the one to do it. I'm just, I'm just making the point here that if that we should expect this in all areas of the federal bureaucracy because all of them are this kind of bureaucracy does its own thing that's sometimes separate from what the White House wants it to do kind of deal, right? So, you know, if you want to be Secretary of the Treasury, maybe you need to have not worked in the Treasury Department or the Federal Reserve for a year or two, right? Just make it a thing across all cabinet-level positions instead of just the Department of Defense, and then it's okay. But it's worth noting, all the time, whenever someone nominates, oh, a former ambassador to be Secretary of State who was a career ambassador pick and not political ambassador pick. Everyone's like, oh, this will be great. They understand how the department works. They're going to be able to like work effectively within it and get the president's agendas done. But then when it's the military, everyone's like, oh no, the bureaucracy in the military is going to be too powerful. And both sides aren't wrong, but we just need to be consistent across the whole cabinet with it. And honestly, I think that senators can do this on their own and we probably don't need any strict laws about it. Yeah, I agree. But we should repeal the law relating to the military with respect to it. Because the reason General Mattis got an exception was because everyone looked at the norm and said, oh, you know what? I'm okay with us violating this norm and giving him a waiver, which was really just a law that Congress passed exempting him. Wait, Giving giving him a waiver because we don't need Trump deciding out of the blue. You know what? I'm feeling like nuking the Bahamas today. You know, sometimes he never threatened nuking the Bahamas. It's the hurricane he wanted. To it's make. just a, it's just a random example. Like so hurricane. General Mattis was only approved because everyone thought we needed oh someone with a cool head in the room. Do we also all think that Biden needs someone with a cool head in the room, or do we just like the pick? Right, like that's like let's Biden's just not even going to realize he's in a room. Let's Jack. So that's come a on. We're going to need some help. Let's just repeal the law. Let's just repeal the law and trust senators to be able to make these distinctions, right? Because trust senators to make important decisions. <laughs> Bold. Repeal the 17th Amendment. Um, <laughs> okay. Jack, is there anything you want to add about Lloyd Austin? General, just, um, retired general. Well, he Lloyd seems Austin. qualified. And as long as he's qualified, he should get approved. I hate what the left's doing. They are judging people based on the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. As the Reverend Martin Luther King said, it should be your character and merits that matter, not your skin color. It's been, uh, what over a hundred or so years since well over a hundred years since the democratic party was founded. They still seem unable to stop judging people on the basis of race. I hope one day we'll see the day they're able to, but this ain't it. Um, cool. Um, so, Last one, and then we get to talk about my favorite topic, which I'm going to use up all the time that I've saved from your rants on Section 230. 
Get down my own rant. My rant. Um, it was a beautiful, well said, just policy that everyone will listen to and agree. Janet Yellen. Um, Janet Yellen is, of course, someone who is a Keynesian. After all, she's a Democratic pick for the Fed and is going to be the Democratic Secretary of the Treasury. But she's qualified. So. Yeah, she should be approved. Like Keynesian economics is stupid, but whatever. Keynesian economics is useful for some things, actually. Any, any philosophy whose founder was asked about the long-term implications of his philosophy, and he goes, in the long run, we're all dead, Well, is bad. Okay, I don't think you necessarily understand the basis of Keynesian economics, which is just, it takes so long for price levels to adjust. I understand the basis of okay. Keynesian economics. I know what it is. Right. It's actually pretty useful for some aspects of the economy, especially when menu prices are high in a certain industry. Or it's a monopolistic See, this industry. is where our biggest difference is kicking in, where you will adopt different philosophies for different circumstances and certain policies, whereas I believe in picking one philosophy and applying it. To it's just sometimes useful. I everything. mean, generally speaking, I agree with the classical business cycle view, but sometimes Keynesian is useful when understanding certain markets. Um, okay. Congrats, Janet Yellen. This is news stamp of not necessarily approval, but confirmation. Hey, um, you can approve. I don't I don't like Janet. I mean she's qualified, yeah, but she's fine. There's it's yeah. very rare there's gonna be a Democrat I'm approving of. It's a, that's that's true. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Um all right, Jack. It has been more over than a month. a month, over like a month and a week since the election. Jack, what's the big story this week? Donald Trump seems to okay. Jack First, Donald Trump. I want I want to talk about his Twitter real quick before I get into the actual important things here. Hey, section two thirty. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted out that no one has ever won. I think both Ohio and Florida in nineteen sixty, right? And then everyone was like, uh, "Richard Nixon lost both of those, won both of those when losing to JFK." And then he was like, "No one has ever won Iowa, Ohio, and Florida." Yeah. When and then lost the election. Which I was someone like, called that about two months ago. A dude tweeted, "He's like Trump's going to win these three states and claim it's never happened before." But <laughs> and then also, everyone was like, uh, "Richard Nixon again." <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, it's ridiculous. Maybe don't bring up 1960 to prove that election fraud didn't happen. <laughs> i don't think uh, that's not that's not the point but (laughs) touche um okay listeners for those of you who don't know and aren't on twitter as much as jack and i are which one good for you congrats keep doing that have a life Um, great job yeah congrats the attorney general of texas has filed a lawsuit trying to use the Supreme Court's original jurisdiction over over suits relating to issues that two states cannot resolve through other means and which only those two states can be parties to. The most recent example was about the border between Florida and Georgia is one of the more recent examples. Mm-hmm. This is a power that the Supreme Court doesn't often use. Um, well, nearly all the members of the court... Of, uh cases with states yeah oh yeah nearly all of the members of the court think that they get to treat kind of like cert petitions where a certain number of them have to agree to hear the case clarence thomas thinks that the supreme court should get to hear anything they want to hear or has to hear every suit two states bring before it in this way but you know 
whatever. No. That's some inside baseball stuff. Sure, that's right. Clarence might be wrong there. Whoa. Bold statement from Jack today on the podcast. Um, but here's 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 what happened. The Attorney General of Texas filed a lawsuit that notably does not include Kyle Hawkins, the Solicitor General of Texas, whose job it is to argue things at the Supreme Court, the Fifth Circuit, the Supreme Court of Texas, and other appeals courts. Why would you want to put your as the attorney of record? It is actually a pretty well-respected Supreme Court advocate. His name is not on it. Interestingly Isn't enough, the solicitor general voted on or appointed in the state of Texas. Appointed by the maybe we should do that with the AG too. Solve a lot of our problems. <laughs> um, so here's what Ken Paxton, who we'll talk about in a moment, has done. This lawsuit claims that at the t- at like 3 a.m. on Thursday morning, with Trump's le- or Wednesday morning, with Trump's leads in states what they were, that there is a one in one quadrillion chance that he would win Georgia. And that if you include like several other states, it becomes a one and one quadrillion to the fourth power chance that he would win all of them. And yet Joe Biden won all of them. Sounds even dumber than the answers I put on the AP stats test. So for starters, these are bad statistics. Yes. And all they do is they rule out the idea that it might be a random occurrence. And Jack, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement here. Elections aren't random. Yeah. And then in fact, this is actually the Republicans fault. We, uh, for the entire summer refused to implement reforms that would have sped up the vote counting process and vote counting by its very nature is slower in urban areas, which are disproportionately Democrat. So we counted all the Republican areas first and then we counted a crap ton of Democratic votes that were all 80, 20, 90, 10 Democrat. So the real lesson we should be getting from this is maybe don't neglect the urban areas. And additionally, Jack, here's here's the other fun thing here. Yeah. Vote totals so far in an election have no bearing on vote totals later in that same election. What? Right? That's so... Insane. There may be a correlation, also, but there certainly isn't a causation. For his, like, uh, I'm blanking on all the statistical terms, but for, like, what the norm should be, didn't he compare it to 2016 and be like, everything should map out exactly the same? Just so, Jack, let me, let, me summarize this, let me summarize this lawsuit in a sentence. The Attorney General of Texas is mad that Donald Trump lost, so he's trying to have the result of four other states overturned because he says that Texas wants Donald Trump to win. No, you're completely incorrect, actually. Uh, Reem, swing and a miss there. The Attorney General of Texas desperately needs a pardon. So he has not there together yet. whatever not he there yet. needs to get that pardon. He doesn't so give let's a damn talk about, So let's talk about Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton has been in hot water lately. Hot First, water. It's boiling and on fire, but still water. He is under indictment from the state of Texas for securities issues. Which where basically he told people that he could trade securities for them, and he in fact couldn't. Um is kind of my understanding of that. Now, here's a brief history of Ken Paxton. Ken Paxton was a member of the State House of Representatives. He tried to run for speaker. He was not elected speaker. Then God. he ran for the state senate. Then he ran to be attorney general and was elected attorney general. Then his wife joined the state Senate 
And the first piece of legislation, or one of the first pieces of legislation she introduced as a freshman senator, was to expand his office's power and allow him to grant exemptions to the law which he violated. It's awesome. It's awesome when wannabe tyrants like are bad at it. Like you should throw that into a later bill once you're established. Don't do that on the first day. So now. All of Paxton's top deputies signed a letter to the governor basically saying, hey, Paxton is corrupt. They have all since been fired or resigned. Watergate was not a how-to guide. You idiot. The FBI is now investigating Ken Paxton and today served a subpoena at the attorney general's office. Yeah, uh, this is a conservative podcast. I'm a proud Republican. I think I can speak for this as news where I say Ken Paxton should be impeached and no Republican so, can support him. While Donald Trump is praising this lawsuit as an effort to, in his own words, overturn the election, Ken Paxton would probably like a pardon right now. However, here's the thing. Even if he gets a pardon, almost all of the things he's alleged is doing that are wrong are also state crimes. And you know who was distancing themselves from Ken Paxton Wait, before this lawsuit? Why, why is the FBI helping out? Because they're also federal crimes. Oh, so he can pardon the federal crimes at least. But he can't pardon the state crimes. Okay, yeah, fair. Ken Paxton can still go to jail for a long time even if he gets to pardon. Good. Well, Assuming we... he did what he did. Here's a list of three people, Jack, who were against Ken Paxton before he filed this lawsuit. Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas. And this one's going to be a real shocker. Alan West. <laughs> Wait, they're all against him? They were until he filed the lawsuit. And now you want to know who are all supporting him? West and Paxton. Greg Abbott, Dan oh. Patrick, and Alan West. Yeah, this lawsuit, guys, re Republicans in the Bible, there are many false prophets who the people. I'm not done, by the way. Oh, Just sorry. so we're clear. Sorry, go no, you can do this, but I'm not done. Okay. In the Bible, there's many false prophets who show up to Israel and you can tell they're false prophets, kind of the same way you can tell the heretics who uh, spread the prosperity gospel. They say whatever you want to hear. That is probably not someone who you should follow. That's a liar who wants to steal your money or get something from you. Ken Paxton is trying to be a false prophet right now. He's offering Trump salvation that he cannot give for something that he does not deserve. And Republicans should not get on that ship. It is going to sink for God's sake, just start imposing, opposing this stuff. It's a disgrace and it's ruining the moral integrity of the GOP. Okay. And so don't now, let's, let's, let's talk about who else is supporting this lawsuit other than the president, because he, 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 he wants to cling to power and I don't think he wants okay to power so with, much as he can't accept the fact that he lost to Joe Biden. And that Joe Biden did just as well as he did. Um, well, Joe Biden did better. Well, like in terms of electoral votes. Yeah, but Joe Biden won the popular vote. Yes. By but Jack, lot. the popular vote doesn't matter, just so we just so we all remember that. I mean, it's still a bragging rights thing. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, so Jack, 
as you well know, you had to convince me several times that burn it all down was not a good idea. Yes, don't and don't, then, you know, don't turn from that. <laughs> it's, it's the Republican Party was okay and wasn't rotten, and that it could recover. Jack, I am I am less convinced of that now, and here's why: a majority of GOP attorneys generals have backed this lawsuit, which would overturn the results of a free and fair election because their candidate lost. A majority of GOP members of the U.S. House, including the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, are so supporting... No, no, no. I, I, get, I get to say it. Are supporting this lawsuit that would overturn the results of a free and fair election because they're mad their guy lost. And what they're hoping for, Jack, is that their support of this measure won't actually matter because they know it's going to get tossed out by the Supreme Court. But here's the issue, Jack. They are still now on the record. This includes folks like Dan Crenshaw, Elise Stefanik. It notably does not include Liz Cheney or Will Hurd. Or John Cornyn. Or John Cornyn. Or Senator Thune in the Senate, who said today that he understands Texas doesn't like it when other people tell them what to do, so he's unsure why they think other states are going to like it when Texas tells it what to do. Um, which, well played, Senator Thune. Um they are on the record supporting an effort to end our democratic system of governance in the United States. And this is a majority view in the Republican caucus under John Boehner. That's enough people for it to be brought to a vote and for the party to whip in favor of it. Jack, this is revealing horrible rot in the Republican party that needs to be completely expunged, right? This cannot continue. And people who have signed on to this, lawsuit are on my list of folks that I'm probably not going to vote for in the future. So I'm not willing to go near as far as Reim. I am certainly voting for Dan Crenshaw and I'm continuing to advocate Nikki Haley. If you're for some reason listening, when you run in 2024, pick him for your running mate, please, please, please. So I'm willing to vote for these people, but I do agree. It's a very dumb thing to do. There's really... There, there's no it's not just dumb it's dangerous jack like it's straight up dangerous i'm not sure it's dangerous trump is doing because if it so, worked so, so, if it worked what it would do to our democracy is it would end it so on that trump is doing undemocratic un-american things such as attacking governors and advocating they break the law or saying and backing up this pick, lawsuit saying that states should pick their own electors but the thing about the lawsuit is i wouldn't say that the lawsuit in and of itself is dangerous or would destroy our democracy it's dangerous and would destroy our democracy it, here, here's why though it's if it were listen it's stupid but it's going through the process and if the supreme court actually ruled in its favor then it would be right and it wouldn't be undermining a fair election. It would be preventing an unfair election result from being allowed. Now, it's not right. No, the because the lawsuit's facts are all bad. Like if this lawsuit was agreed to, it would prove rot in this country beyond the scope of which we have ever seen. Right, but my point is, it's going through the system, and that's going to be the result. So it's fine. Like this is we hope ugly. so. Yeah, this but all the, and it's a, it's a major tantrum, but it's going through the system. Everybody who's backing it, Jack, either knows better, so they're or either has lost their mind. They're either grifting. They don't want to. They don't want to speak up and deal with Trump, or they, honest to God, believe that the election was rigged. Now. If you, honest to God, believe the election's rigged, I don't know what I can do for you. Uh, 
pray to Jesus and but how are you willing to back an effort to overturn free and fair elections so when it comes to that the election security expert in this country was fired for saying they were free and fair and you go you know what I want to back the guy who fired someone for saying he lost fairly so it's stupid that most people are backing him on this, but it's human nature. In cases, no, it's not cases, just stupid. It's cases, anti-democratic at this point. In cases where the guy at the top is doing something really bad, the sad fact of the human species is most of us want to just get by without taking any risks. So we'll look the other way. And but we've already passed Safe Harbor Day. Like it's over. So that's at this so point. That, that's what the you are doing. I am. I have the floor. So that is the reason that most Republicans are going along with this. Now, while I think that is a little cowardly and I'd like to see more of a spying from the Republicans, I, I'm not going to go so far. I'd like as, to see I, a I'm spine. Not gonna, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's undemocratic because it's going, it's, through, undemocratic. it's going through the legal process. It would be one thing if the Donald Trump declared, I'm just staying in office and 106 Republicans said, we are with you, sir. That would be undemocratic. We're going, hey, we're going to appeal this to the courts. Let's see what they say. That, that's going through the legal process. Now, it could be a stupid lawsuit. I think this is a stupid lawsuit. It could fail epically. It's going to fail epically. But it's going through the legal process. And as ugly as it is, the process is working. And if you go through the process and it works, it's hard to say that you've undermined the process. But I will note that both the Trumpian right and the radical left have based this entire thing on very false notions. So both of them, if you if you look on Twitter right now, where you just see the worst, the id of both bases, the uh, left is like, if it gets to the Supreme Court, those Trump fanatics that he appointed are going to hand it to him and we're going to have to fight in the streets just like Nazi Germany. And if you look at Trumpian Twitter, they're like, as soon as Clarence gets a hold of that, our king is there for life. You're all idiots. The court isn't <laughs> handing you an election. The court isn't politicized. The court isn't subservient to Trump. The court does its job. The court already ripped apart one of his uh, pathetic cases with a one-sentence opinion or rejection with no dissents. Like, the Supreme Court isn't going to save or damn the republic, you idiot. And I do expect them to reject this effort, but it doesn't change the fact that it's an undemocratic attempt. It's stupid, but I'm not going to go so far as to say that using the legal means available to you and respecting the- Why should Texas get to tell Pennsylvania that its laws are bad? Right? Why does Texas get to have a say on Pennsylvania state law? They should. I agree. It's stupid, but the stupid. It's not stupid. It's anti-federalist. It's anti-democracy. It's anti-freedom, and it's the kind of thing that Jack, Jack, if there was a U.S. embassy in Washington D.C., this would not be happening. I mean, there's a. I think there's a huge difference between Trump saying state electors need to vote the way I demand and Trump saying, hey, we have a last ditch legal effort. No, he said overturn the result of the election. He's not saying, oh, no, there's still ballots. I'm not going to put a lot of emphasis. The election has been decided and it needs to be overturned. Okay, did he do that right after reading two? Jack, if Jack, if. Corinthians too. The boy, the, Jack, the man if, says dumb things. Don't take it too seriously. If Gordon Brown had claimed that the election needed to be overturned after David Cameron beat him in 2010, 
The American ambassadors to the United it Kingdom would have just... gone to his office, said stop, and David Cameron would have been Look, sworn in as prime minister. I agree with the opinion that we shouldn't take everything Trump says literally and seriously. He's a very dumb man who says a lot. No, but even if we take this either literally or seriously or it's, even just read it, it's, it's going through the process. And I guarantee you that the majority of Republicans who signed on are just trying to get by without having to deal with being yelled at, which I, I have already said is... And they shouldn't be. But... Once Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th, none of them are going to, or I think the vast majority, Matt Gates, maybe not, but I think the vast majority of them are going to go, okay, respect the results now. Or this Kraken caucus is going to stay around. We'll see. I think, I think that there will be. It's a, a majority small, of the party, Jack. A majority Why does a majority of, of the party, party feel the need to do this? Like I said, a majority of he's a loser when a bad thing, when a bad person is doing bad things, who has power. The sad fact is a majority of humans will not oppose it. They will not stand up to find it. They will condone the sin so long as the light is not shown on them and they don't have to be attacked. Most he doesn't have any power anymore. Most people are just trying to get by. Yeah, he has a tremendous amount of power. You do not want that guy at a rally with 30,000 people saying, do not vote for him, vote for his primary challenge. They've already won their elections. If they're a current Republican member of Congress who ran again, they won. Look, we, we agree it's bad. We just don't agree to the extent it's bad. And I'm, I'm explaining why it happens. Most people want to get by. The reason that most people weren't in the resistance in Nazi France is because most people just want to get by. Even in the most vile circumstances humanity's ever been dealt with, most people just want to look the other way so it doesn't bother them as little as possible. And I think we can agree that the Quislings were bad and immoral in doing that. Yes, it was bad. And I, I've already agreed with you it's bad. I just think that the process is going to play out and we will... Because here's the thing, your burn it all down approach. Say we did that with Nazi France and we were like, we are going to arrest and punish every French citizen. Like, you can't do that. You have to be like, yeah, y'all screwed up, but hey, we all, we all screw up. I'm not saying them. arrest them. I'm saying just... Right, Maybe these are the kinds of people who shouldn't be representing down. But the fact principled is, conservative values. People anyway. on both sides would do that. I think the Democrats would too. If Obama had, after his election, let's say that Mitt had beat him somehow and Obama declared that it was rigged, I think a majority of Democrats back him. And you would have equally condemned that right. probably as harshly as I'm currently would, condemning this. Not as harshly. Because you called Stacey Abrams' efforts anti-democratic. These are the same things but worse, magnified, and done to a more dangerous extent. No. There's a difference between if Stacey Abrams had said, hey, we're going to challenge this in court and then I'll respect the results. And they were like, this is idiotic. And she was like, but okay. Donald Trump has lost every single case right. he's brought to court and still oh, yeah. isn't respecting the results after Safe Harbor Day. And I'm saying that some of Trump's actions are undemocratic. I've agreed with you on that. Some of them are un-American and are undemocratic. And I've called them out for that. I just don't think a last ditch legal effort is undemocratic. I think it's a last ditch pathetic legal effort. Like he's going no. through, he's going through. There's this. a reason Republican governors are telling their attorney generals, why are you doing this? Yeah. It, like in very, Utah, the Republican it, governor and governor agree, elect. We agree. It's stupid. I just don't think this is high treason. We're about to be in a fascist tyranny. Get your guns and canned goods. We're not going to be because the Supreme Court's going to reject it. And yeah. all the Republican members of Congress who signed on to this. So the who problem, are playing politics here know the Supreme Court's going to reject it. And that's the why they're fine signing on to that. And that's not okay. Democracy is not being undermined. The process is working. And this, this, no, this by signing on, no, Jack, I'm, I'm going to make this point and this is going to be our last point, And then we're going to go into the outro. Here's the deal. All these members of Congress 
who are simply doing this to play politics and actually know that this isn't going to work, of which I think probably a significant number are, know that this isn't going to work. And that's the only reason they're okay agreeing to this because they know it doesn't actually matter and the election's not actually going to get overturned. But the fact, Jack, that they're willing to advocate for overturning the election and are only willing to do so because they know their butt's going to be saved by the Supreme Court when they reject this unanimously says a lot of things about the current state of the Republican caucus in Congress. It's definitely bad, and we have some we have some things to fix, but I'm not ready to go burn it all down. They're all useless. I'm never voting for them. Like it's it's bad, but it's not death penalty worthy. I saw probably not vote for them. Yeah, I mean, Dan Crenshaw is still pretty good. He has an eye patch ring. Will Hurd exists. Okay, as does Larry Hogan. Dreams fantasy world. Will Hurd can win a national GOP election. It's it's not happening. It's my friend. Look, I can I can want things to happen. Okay. Listeners, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at this is news pod. Um, Twitter might get a bit more active now that I'm done with finals. We'll see. Um, maybe, maybe not. So <laughs> if you're ready for some Tuesday group ask tweets, um, be sure to follow it. Um, and if you want the freedom caucus tweets, follow or post, follow the Instagram. <laughs> I don't know if you're quite Freedom Caucus because they're all backing this lawsuit, but Freedom Caucus when it had standards and decency, the Justin Amash Freedom Caucus. <laughs> I don't know that's mm, it. that he was expelled from. Yes, hey, Steve Jobs got fired from his own company too. What <laughs> happened to all the crates? Um, also, be sure to send the podcast to a friend you think really might enjoy it. I know we went over by a lot this week. Or your uncle so, kept ranting about publishers and platforms at Thanksgiving. So thank you for making it to the end of the show. Leave a review if you can. Be sure to subscribe. Positive reviews. We are very Positive five reviews stars. Anything less, we will hunt you down when we're in power. All right. But in all honesty, thank you for helping out the program. However you choose to do so, be it following us on social media, sending us to a friend or family member, or subscribing and leaving a review. We appreciate all of it. And as always, for This Is News, I'm Reem Mayhem. And I'm Jack. And we'll talk to y'all soon.